You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show, the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show... Please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. Actually, I didn't check. We do not have any new callers. Um, Strongly considered just skipping, but again, the phone calls are really tapering. So I don't want to skip and then just be like, well, I guess we're done for a week. So we're just going to power through. We got a lot done yesterday. I think we're going to try to do a lot today. See if we can even get within a week. That'd be dope. We're, I think we can do it today. I don't know. But we went from 50 down to 38 calls. So we're making some headway here. Anyways, let's go ahead and get started with uh, Fat Halbert. Ryan Fat Halbert again. So, Sorry, man. Missed the second part of my point in the creative, creative offseason. One thing we should do rather than the puppy, uh, puppy bowl, we should have the Packernet Bowl. Okay. In which characters that call into After Dark, such as myself, would yeah. have various positions in the line. We could have, you know, maybe Clayton be the play caller, like buzz cut 36, slant <laughs> right, bingo, whatever play. Okay. Then you got, you know, Chris from Alabama running a sweep, you know, yeah. the, the, uh, the uh, Joe the janitor cuts an amazing chop block, dislocates the guy's knees as he's coming around the edge. Yeah. Maybe it's uh, you got Mr. the old the old days, Mister Negative back around episode, episode five hundred to be the D, the D coordinator on the other side. There you go. Saying how many reasons why we can't possibly stop the play that we're about <laughs> to run. Uh, you got Jersey Mike, you know Trucker Bob, everybody pulling and uh, open up a hole and run into daylight. So I think there's some potential there. Mm-hmm. Um, just wanted to share that kind of fun thought. Thanks again, man. See you. Right. I yeah, I think that's a good idea. It might be kind of tricky getting everyone together, but if everyone's down and um if I'm promised to not have to do much by way of um either organization or physical exertion, I think uh I think we could work something out. I think that sounds like a great idea. Um also, food and beverage needs to be kind of the bigger thing than the football. But enjoy the football by all means. Enjoy, you know, angry people trying to get your knees and things like that. I, 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 my knees are already jacked up, man. I don't need, I don't need Jersey Mike freaking coming at me. Um, but yeah, sounds good. Also, if we could do it like in my backyard, so I don't have to go anywhere. That'd be dope. Hey, big Ryan, keep up and laugh, man. What's up, man? Hope we're, uh, hope we're improving since this is Saturday. Got over our, our mopes and everybody's feeling better out there. Go on Packer Nation. Um, just got done uh, spending a few hours cutting some firewood. Got a couple weeks maybe worth of firewood cut up and split and stacked up. So 
that's all done. But I was listening to your podcast while I was doing it, and uh, everybody's kind of been saying about who they kind of look forward to see who goes on in the Super Bowl. You know, hearing see people say that, and heard you saying that you just you just don't want to see Detroit do it because of Detroit and they're in our division, and who wants to see Detroit do it? Well, uh, I'm going to tell you why. I'm leaning towards Detroit okay. in this. Number one, wow. I don't want to see the Niners and risk the Niners winning another Super Bowl. I don't want to see them having it. Um, yes, I hate the Cowboys more, but that's just, you know, it's a thing. You know, <laughs> I know people that tell me that I should hate the Vikings more because they're more of a challenge and a threat to us than the Bears are, but I'm always going to hate the Bears more Fair because enough. it's the Bears. Yeah. And so I'm always going to hate the Cowboys more because I started hating them before I really started hating the Niners. I just liked them a lot. Disliked them a whole lot when I lived out in California as a kid. But, uh, the Cowboys stood in our way first, and so they bugged me more. Um, but yes, I still hate them. So I don't want to see them get the Super Bowl. But, um, if Detroit makes it, and Detroit wins, I know that you could say that really sucks because they're in our division and how terrible that is, but look at it from this point of view. Detroit, this is, this is like Detroit's one great big glory. Okay? Um, they've been sad and pitiful for a long time. So kind of like, you know, I'm not a baseball fan, but like when, you know, the Cubs and the Red Sox finally won championships after like a hundred years of not having a championship, it was like, hey, go on for them. And then after that, I was like, I don't really care about you anymore. You know, so go on for Detroit if they were to win one. And then I don't have to care about them anymore and I can officially start hating them. Because I always felt bad and pity for them before. Now I can officially start hating them. Um, like, right out. But the other thing is this. Minnesota doesn't have a Super Bowl win. So Detroit will have one before Minnesota does. How is Minnesota fans going to feel about that? And the Bears <laughs> haven't fair. had one for, like, 40 years? They haven't even... I'm surprised that made me feel so much better. <laughs> the fact that it's, like, more a negative toward the Bears and especially the Vikings than the Lions. That's, uh, that is fair. Like, got to one for 40 years and it's right gonna have one man you know how much we're gonna be rubbing it in and be able to like just just stick that ice pick right into the side of the head of minnesota and, and bears fans in detroit you know whatever let them have their moment we'll kick their butts next year and take their title away from them so uh yeah so think about that for a minute see if that helps you out and sways you away from letting the niners win all right man bye so I don't think it fully swayed me. Um, I will say, you know, depending on if we could fully kind of get through this whole thing, if you could promise me that it was very similar to what the Bears did, like, I don't know, a long time ago, where they, they kind of had a run, they went to the Super Bowl and lost, and then just kind of pit, you know, obviously they haven't been back since, and that was a long time ago. I think I'd be okay with that. Um. And, you know, in that case, I mean, if we assume the Chiefs win, either way, it's not a big deal anyways. Um, I don't know. I think I still lean 49ers, though, just because, again, it kind of comes down to how much does it actually mean in terms of, like, what level does this put you on? It doesn't move the needle for the 49ers. This is every freaking year. Every year they get through this, but they can't get over the hump. They're not good enough to get over the hump. The Chiefs, if they win the Super Bowl, what does it mean? It's the same thing every year. They don't go up a notch. There's nowhere else to go. So if the Lions win, making the Super Bowl is a big deal. They've they, like they they won the division and got into the playoffs and won a playoff game all in a single season. 
So they jumped several notches. If they go clean into the Super Bowl, the first time they do any of this stuff, bypassing the Green Bay Packers, that just, that to me is, it's it's a lot worse. So forget necessarily the fact that they're a division rival. It's more so, what does it say about you as an organization? And it it really reverses a lot of the negativity toward the Lions, and I don't want that. I want the negativity to stay. Now, fortunately, their head coach went on and piled on in a way that even I wouldn't have said, which is like, this is what this was our one shot and we're never coming back. He didn't really say that, but I didn't even listen to the full quote. I got to go back and do it. We got to do a laughing at the Lions one of these days, but um, that uh, we've, we've been a little busy. But um, no, I, I think I think the chips are falling just fine, all things considered. I, the, the Lions are done. They're not going to the Super Bowl. They're not going to get to check that box. The 49ers go back again. Whoop-de-doo, that's not the point. Can you actually do anything? Can you actually be the team? And hopefully the answer is no. And then the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, and that does nothing for them either. It certainly adds to the legacy, but at some point you're just a dynasty, and it's just a matter of how big a one are you going to be. Are your, is your dynasty going to be bigger and better than what uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots did? I don't know. I freaking hope not because I hated the Patriots because I was so sick of them winning for like 20 years. I can't imagine the Chiefs are going to do that. But who knows? They're still doing it despite not having anything. And while they could lose Travis Kelsey, yeah, that's true. And they could actually get a wide receiver for the first time since Tyreek Hill leaves. Who knows? Maybe they go out and get a bunch of them and a free agent. So I don't know. I I think as long as they keep their defensive coordinator there and uh, probably the head coach stays there, and they have at least one weapon to work with. I think they're just going to win Super Bowls freaking forever, or at least until the Packers can actually get over the freaking hump, get in there and beat them in the Super Bowl, which is the other thing that's nice, because it's like there's this team that's just insurmountable and nobody can get over the hump. Like, bro, we can beat the Chiefs. We can do it. So it, it that's that's the cool thing. It doesn't feel like, like, well, we can only go so far and then we're done. Like, we, we literally already beat the Chiefs. And I know that this team is good enough to beat the Chiefs. Now, next year, we got to see, you know, what, what does Jordan Love look like? What do our receivers look like? What does our offense look like? What does our run game look like? What does our defense look like? We got a new defensive coordinator. Plenty of reason to be excited. But at the same time, maybe it's year one. Maybe a lot of guys don't fit the scheme. Maybe it's kind of clunky and it's not really coming together quite yet. And it's one of those things that in 2025, we're talking about, okay, year two, this is when things are going to come. You know what I mean? I don't know what's going to happen, but um, you you move the needle a little bit, but I still stand with what I said. Hey, Ryan, Joe, the janitor so from Connecticut. Uh, well, pretty excited. Joe Barry got fired. There it is. Um, we're finally there. Can't wait to look My Lord. into who we're going to hire next. I just uh, excited for the news. Um, I know everyone else is going to be super excited too. Well, on to the next one. Yeah, no. So, um, I'm. I'll, I'll be honest. First of all, I'm excited. We finally got there. Apparently, January 24th at 10 o'clock is is when that uh, news dropped. I am stunned that the first call was Joe from janitor, Joe the janitor from Connecticut, who sounded like the saddest puppy in the world. <laughs> I expected screaming and everything. Well, we got Kyle from Madison. I'm sure he'll be screaming or something. I don't know. We'll see how it's going. Ryan. Hey. Kyle from Madison. How are you, sir? I'm good. You? So, Joe Barry just got fired. Yep. I'm not going to celebrate some man losing his job. Okay, fine. Have it your Um, way. I was, you know, for a change. Um, 
you know, I'm sorry for him and his family. Obviously, everything goes with it. It's nature. Of the He's going to get a gonna job. Run around spiking the football. Uh, I just don't think that's right. But, uh, you know, the Joe Barry era, it's kind of a difficult one. You know, I mean, there were stretches, obviously, even this year, where it was like, oh, man, you know, how quickly we can get rid of this dude. But he also had, like, some stretches where... My Lord, are we going to sit here and like cry through this thing? Like Joe Barry's gone and we're going to talk about how much we miss him. (laughs) This is not what I expected to have happen here. All right, let's talk about Joe Barry. He was actually not that bad. About two years ago when we lost the Niners at home. I mean, that defense had a pretty nice little stretch there. And then that game they put up against the Niners was just really impressive. And just like they never seem to be on the same page as the offense. They never put together these great teams at the same time. Um, overall, though, like I've been saying, I I would really like to get kind of the innovator, Matt LaFleur kind of guy, but the defensive version of him on defense so that those two squads, the offense and the defense, can, can kind of play off each other instead of this just kind of vanilla – uh, I don't know, like, yeah, we'll get it done, maybe, kind of defense. I'd love to see something innovative on that side of the ball because I think our offense is going to be good enough. They're going to be able to apply pressure on the opposing team's offense in addition to the defense. I do think it gives you an opportunity to do some things um, instead of just dropping the coverage. Now, all that said, I do think it has to be pointed out, especially in this stretch run here, that in the last five weeks or so, um, and especially against San Francisco, a lot of the deficiencies I feel like weren't on Barry, but were on the players. Yeah, you know, um, Barry can't catch the pick six. Sam's got to do that. Same thing with Nixon. Like, there is definitely a dearth of playmakers outside of Jair Alexander when he's there uh, in that Packers secondary. Um, and so, you know, Joe Barry, that's not a Joe Barry thing. You know, like I, I think Joe Barry called a good enough game in 49ers to win that game. Guys just got to make a play also. So I'm a little conflicted, but ultimately I want us to move forward. And I don't think having Joe Barry there does that. I just hope we move forward and not backwards on defense. But as you often said, that's not a good enough reason not to pull the trigger on it. So, you know, we'll see. I'm anxious to see kind of the people they start interviewing. So, all right, go back, go. Well, two things. And listening to Halfley speak kind of helped me with this, even though I think we all know it. But let's just reiterate what we all know. I think anything that pertains to the entire defense, because there are bad players and there are good players, et cetera, et cetera. But when you look at defense-wide, everybody is failing at these things. I think I don't think there's a single category that can't apply to the defensive coordinator. And I've said this too, like, well, tackling isn't Joe Barry's fault. Uh, it can be. It absolutely can be. If your defense can't tackle, that doesn't necessarily mean everybody on this defense is devoid of tackling ability. It could be, but it also could just be that you're not teaching it, you're not practicing it, you're not drilling it. I, I heard Halfley talk about tackling, and he just basically ripped up and down the way people coach tackling. And the lack of coaching and, and the, the philosophy behind how people are taught and how, you know, we spend so much time just talking about it. And da, 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 da. It could come down to the attitude. What kind of an attitude do you bring to your defense? And, and, and I, you know, you, you would just assume everybody wants an aggressive defense, but not necessarily. 
that may be counter to what Joe Barry's actually wanting. He doesn't want you to overreact and, and attack and be aggressive and all that. It's more about be patient and wait and, and you know, what I, I, again, I don't know. I'm just saying every single thing can come down to the defensive coordinator. And I think the best way to gauge whether it's the DC or the players is, is it the entire team or is it like some individual guys? You say, well, what about a, a dropped pass? Well, let me tell you about a dropped pass. Some defensive coordinators, for example, Halfley, when he was with um, uh, Shiano in particular, with that defensive scheme, it was very heavy in take the ball away. Well, if you want your identity to be opportunistic in taking the ball away, guess what you're going to do a lot? You're going to practice that. Now, everybody has some kind of a thing where they, you know, you, you, you backpedal and then we throw a football and then you run forward and you catch it. Like, okay, cool. Listen, the bottom line is there's only so much time in a day and you can only emphasize so many things. But if the things that your defense is failing with happen to be the things that you don't emphasize, to some degree, that does fall on the defensive coordinator. Now, again, if you bring in a new guy and he emphasizes some things, that means he's not going to emphasize as much some things that Barry did emphasize, and those things may struggle. I don't know what they are. It's just the reality. It's it's just trying to find that balance in the right things. But, um, you know, I mean, listen, and I know the players would never accept that. No, no, no. It's on me. That's BS. All that. That's in. That's the right attitude to have. And of course, you still should make the play. But to pretend that, you know, practicing it isn't going to make you better at it and and teaching fundamentals isn't going to make you better at something like tackling is just, it's not true. And whether that's specifically a Joe Barry thing or the guys under him or whatever, or how much time we put into each phase of different things. And, you know, I mean, look at some of the drills that they do sometimes. You watch it and you're like, what do we, what is that? Do you think that actually helps? And maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's stupid. And again, we, we always just assume like, well, the coaches know best. Okay, well, here's the problem with that, because I'm hearing coaches talk about how stupid coaches are and how they do things wrong and, and how, you know, I used to teach this way. And again, this is Halfley. I've been going through a lot of his coaching stuff, which is actually extremely interesting. I usually don't like it a ton. Like my, my you know, I don't know, my eyes glaze over a little bit when I listen to some of this stuff, but um, maybe it's just the specific topics or what, or just his way of teaching it. I don't know, but, uh, very interesting, very understandable. But, um, you know, he'll talk about like, I, t- I taught that up until six years ago. And now, now I realize that that was the wrong thing to do, which is to say there's a lot of different philosophies out there and some of them are wrong. They disagree on stuff. You know, I think that's wrong. Well, I think you're wrong. Well, guess what? Somebody's wrong. <laughs> And maybe Halfley's wrong. Maybe he sucks. I have no idea. I'm not, I'm not simply trying to come in and simplify this and say Barry was wrong about everything and this new guy's going to be right about everything. It's just to kind of put your mind at ease a little bit because at the end of the day, one way or another, everything does fall on the um, defensive coordinator. I mean, look at, the, look at the offense as a counterexample. Look at how many things that they failed to do early and then got cleaned up. That isn't just because the players all got better. It's because the offensive coaches did a good job of identifying problems and fixing them. Look at the massive growth that they've had. Look at what they're able to do maximizing the limited amount of talent that they have and compared to defense where it's like we, we don't know how to maximize or even get a baseline decent amount of production out of the amount of talent we have. There's constant mistakes that are not getting fixed. You know, the, you look at like run defense or whatever. Like that's just, that's a, you know, I, it, it just, it was we weren't getting what we needed out of them. And, and again, there are going to be players that are just not good enough, and they're, they're not built to tackle very well. That's not their thing. And no amount of coaching is going to make them good at it, and maybe they just need to be replaced. And that's, that is absolutely true, and those things are not Joe Barry's fault. But I, I do think that there were a lot of team failure-type issues that Barry and the staff 
at large failed to identify and correct. That's that's the best way I can try to articulate it by being as fair as I think I can possibly be. Um, the other thing you mentioned was the the innovator, and I do think Halfley is that. I, I don't know. It's tough to say. But I, I think the the reason I say that I think he is is, is number one, he, he pulls from a ton of different experience. And his only real time running a defense was at Ohio State. It was one year. He worked under a bunch of people in the NFL and in college. Then he ran a defense at Ohio State. Then he went to BC and he hired some other guy to run the defense, Tem Lukabu or whatever. I called him Lukabu and then I heard somebody pronounce it and it was like Lukabu. I don't know. But we talked about that guy as a potential DC. He was the guy that ran the defense. Now, there may have been some parallels and maybe, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there was some collaboration on, on stuff for defense. But I think if you want a real good look at, at, Ohio, at, at, at his defense, you look at Ohio State. But the interesting thing about that is you look at Ohio State's defense and say, okay, where did that come from? Like, whose defense is he running? Is that a Petten defense? Is that a, is that a solid defense? I don't think so. I, I, I could be wrong, but I don't think you're just looking at a solid defense when you look at Ohio State. I don't think you're looking at a Petten defense. I mean, we, we had Mike Petten here. Is that what we ran? We ran a 4-3 single high press man defense? I don't think so. And, you know, Sala would maybe be the most similar because you got the four-man front, I think, think I'm gonna sound stupid here but I think it's like a cover three which is similar but different but he's also a heavy zone guy and again there's 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 no like just to be clear I'm not pretending that Jeff Halfley is just going to be press man every single play that's stupid I've told you for a long time like with Joe Barry there's no such thing as just man all the time nobody does that nobody does zone all the time nobody does anything all the time but I'm just talking like fundamental philosophies at least in terms of what they did which is to say that Jeff Halfley Spent a lot of time under Mike Pettin. Before that, he was with Shiano. And then, you know, after Mike Pettin, he goes on to, I, I forget the, the guy's name, Jeff something, the one year at San Francisco. And then Sala comes in and he works with Sala. Then he gets a job at Ohio State and he creates basically his own thing. And it is a thing of beauty. Then he goes to Boston College and it looks different, largely because there's a different defensive coordinator running it. But here's the other reason that I think that, that he is an innovator, aside from the fact that he literally did it at Ohio State. There was an interview that you probably listened to on last podcast, if you listened to it. I think I played it on the, the podcast, but he talks about just how the NFL is just a completely different game and there are different rules. And so you have to do things differently. And that may mean there's going to be less of that aggressiveness and stuff that you saw in college. You know, he talks about, you know, the single high stuff and all that, it's, the, the complexities of it, partially because of like the quarterbacks running and everything else which means there's going to have to be, I mean, for all we know, he's going to come in here and it's going to be a too high defense, you know, be like a four, three, it, it will look more like a solid defense. And maybe that's his whole thing is it's going to look more like Sala because what I do makes more sense in an NFL concept, looking more like what Sala does, which could end up being, you know, basically like what Dan Quinn does, like a Legion of Boom style of defense. We're going to have a four man front playing cover three, lot of zone. The point is, I don't know, but but the the also the good thing is, as much as a lot of people are like, this sucks, I thought we were doing this, it's a good thing because that's what we want. We want an innovator that's going to look at the landscape and say, based on what teams are doing, here's how you stop it. That's what we want. And if, the, if he comes to the conclusion, we're going to trust him as the expert, that the best way to stop it is to run this, that's perfect. Because you know what? In, in a year, two years, three years, that's going to be different. It's going to be something else. And I don't want a guy that's going to go, I only know how to do the one thing. Let me call Sala. Sala, what do I do? He doesn't need that. And again, Ohio State is a great... I mean, just the fact that he can go from NFL to college is really a big deal. 
the fact that he can go to the NFL and coach in a way that that works for the NFL, then go back to college after spending, he's been like 10 years in the NFL. It was a long time. It was, it was Cleveland for, no, he was in Tampa Bay for two years. Then it was Cleveland for two years. So four, and then it was San Francisco for three. So he was in the NFL, I think, for seven years. And then he gets a job to go back. And th- this was honestly one of the things that scared me. It's like, oh man, he's been in college for this long. Plus he's been a head coach for such a long time. So he's kind of been out of the defensive headspace a little bit, which is actually part of the reason he left is because he wasn't even in, in like a coaching headspace because college coaching is so weird and it doesn't revolve around football as much. So he really kind of hated it. So much like recruiting and fundraising and all that crap. But it's so good to see, you know, again, he spent seven years out of college football. He gets a job to go to a major program, gets reacclimated to the to the college landscape. And, and by the way, he didn't come from Ohio State. So it's not like he has a baseline familiarity with like all the rivals and everything. I don't know how closely Rutgers and Ohio State overlap, but I mean, really the 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 ability as a defensive mind to come in, take on at a completely new role, to adjust from the NFL to college football, which which involves not just play calling but psychology to get away from the multimillionaire, you know, grown adult men, 25, 30 years old, you know, Richard Sherman is who he was coaching, to then go to college, which is a completely different headspace with different young men who are inspired a different way, who are coached a different way, with all different offensive schemes, the wide variety of offensive schemes that you're going to see in college and the way that the different rules in college and so how that dictates what kind of a defense you're going to run for him to come in and in one year build a defense that is catered to Ohio State's players and to college football offenses, and for that to be one of the most dominant defenses in football, which in the prior year was not a good defense at all, is one of the more staggeringly impressive things that I can think of. I mean, that really is impressive, and it really speaks again to innovation. Because if he had just taken what he learned from Sala and just, you know, again, copy-paste that at Ohio State, dude, they would have gotten the crap beat out of him. It's not going to work. It's not the same game. It's not the same players. It's not the same whatever. It's all different. So, you know, doesn't mean he's going to be able to necessarily do that, but but he has that ability, and he has that mentality, too. It's not just, you know, I, I'm being hired. And, and, and to, you know, again, to be fair to Barry, because, you know, obviously it's not very nice to say that's all he can do, the, the the reality is, I think he was hired just to be Fangio. I think that was the expectation. Come in and do what Fangio does. I don't think anybody was asking him to innovate, at least not initially. Um, but as I said, I, I think the Fangio defense seems to have had its day. That would have been probably his time to innovate. And maybe he did. And maybe that's when we started to see things down the stretch that were different. And, um, you know, it was like, let's just get away from some of the fundamental things we're doing. Let's mix some things up. We Again, we started seeing guys jumping routes and everything. Not to say that that's not a part of, you know, the Fangio defense, because I know for a fact it is. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I don't really know. I'm, I'm just saying I'm, I'm excited to see what this guy can do. Everything I've heard, I've been excited about. I know that that's probably just fandom. I mean, I was, I was relatively excited about Joe Barry, although I, I, there wasn't really much to. Actually, I think everybody hated it, and there was really nothing to be excited. I mean, there was no videos of anything. It was a couple things of him like interacting with players, and he seemed high energy or whatever, and that was about it. But this just seems like a different animal. This this really does seem like the innovator that we've been asking for, like just a a brilliant defensive mind, not a Fangio guy or a Sala guy or a Petten guy, a defense guy. 
Anyways, how are we 26 minutes in already? I'm talking too freaking much. All right, let's take a break. We're doing speed round. We got Kyle from Madison part two coming up. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, Kyle from Madison. Tell me. Just had a couple other points on the Barry situation. So, I don't know if the data bears this out, but it really feels like since he was the defensive coordinator, some of our, like, what seemed like tested and true players on defense just didn't play to their potential. Right. And I don't know if that's fake and just the perception I have or sure. if really that happened. If they just, if, if they weren't being utilized in the best way, you know, because it just feels like Clark and Savage and right. um, gosh, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm missing people, but some of our playmakers just didn't feel like they were making plays. Now maybe that's a player thing, not a coach thing. I don't, I don't know. Just something I was, I'm thinking about. Um, the other thing I wonder is... Before you move on, unless this is what you're about to say, but I, I agree, um, and, and obviously we would all point to the same names. I mean, you could point to Jair, um, although, again, I think he had a better year than, than people would give him credit for, and I think that there were other issues going on. He certainly was seemed to not be in the right headspace, and there were injuries and everything else going on. Um, Devondre, we've seen fall off quite a bit, but again, that could be injuries and age and all kinds of stuff, and, and obviously headspace is a big thing for him as well. Kenny has been declining constantly. And, um, you know, what's really frustrating, I think, for a lot of these guys is you can see that they still have it. 
you can still see Kenny. Like he started off the year just white hot. And he's he did that. He's done that like every year. There's a period of time, usually early on, that he's just dominant. And then it kind of just goes away. And, you know, there's a lot of people that that watch and they're like, you don't understand. Kenny is really freaking good. And it's like, well, it's not showing up in any statistic or category anywhere. And it may just come down to what he's being asked to do. I mean, if he's just kind of being asked to to play cleanup or whatever. But but again, that comes back down to, well, how stupid are you to take away a guy that that is a really talented, you know, pass rusher, if nothing else, and say, yeah, but I need you to kind of stay home and da 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 I don't know. But um but that also is what gets me kind of excited. And it's why like I'm 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 leading the charge of please bring back Savage. Please bring back Savage. I, I and maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's not the right decision. I just wonder if there's something because let let's be, here's the other thing. He actually graded out positively this year. Like I think I think he kind of came back strong or something because I know we I I had kind of written him off and then I just looked at it recently. I'm like, oh dude, he was there was like two guys that we have that are DBs that graded out well, and it's Jair and Savage. I'm sure if you ask most Packer fans, it'd be like, I don't know, Nixon and Valentine probably. Nope, Jair and Savage. And so really, if you think about him, he had a, a rookie year that was okay, a second year where he took a jump, and then he plummeted off a cliff when when Joe Barry came in, which I'm, I'm not even necessarily blaming Barry as a, as a coach, but I think the scheme just, it wasn't working. And then he kind of had a bounce back. Like, it, it took all three years for him to start to learn it, and it seems like something was starting to click. But I, I just, I feel bad for the guy because I feel like in the right situation, he really can be something. And I don't know if that means best safety in football or whatever, but you know, there is a a question of are with this defense, assuming we are still sticking with this sort of single high sort of philosophy, you're gonna need a center fielder. And I don't necessarily know if Savage is that guy, but the one thing we know about Savage is he's got speed. Maybe he doesn't have the right processor, maybe he's just not gonna be that dude. But it seems like he might be. And if we got a guy that is a DB coach that can get the best out of him and he's got the physical attributes to be able to be that center fielder, I don't know, man. I'd like I'd like to just see. I just want to see because I don't think anybody wants Savage in the box or anything like that. Fine. Let him be what I think he was built to be. He's a deep field speed guy. Keep him on the backfield. Keep him on the back end. Simplify his assignments, which I, I think Halfley is, is, is known for, making it real easy for these guys to know what they need to do. And just let him run. Just let him run. I just want to see if he can do it. Give him a year. Sign him to like a couple-year contract where after the first year we could dump him if we want to. Real low money. You know he's not going to cost anything. Let Halfley have a year with him. And, and obviously sit down with Halfley and let him kind of work through and decide if, if this will work out or whatever. I'm not, I'm, I don't want to impose, but I just think that that could be a thing. And same with Kenny. Like I'm, I, I'm, I'm not giving up hope. I know there's something there. Um, you know, Rashawn, I'm hoping... We get some kind of a resurgence from him. I know he's a talented guy. Now, there's a question of, of you know, moving to a 4-3, which I don't think has been 100% confirmed, but it seems like it's probably going to be a thing. Uh, so he's got to put his hand back in the dirt like he did in college, where he spent a lot of time really honing his craft as becoming a stand-up guy. So now he needs to kind of, because remember, he wasn't like an elite pass rusher in college. So I don't know what that's going to translate to. And I don't know what that means for Preston. I don't know how how good he's going to be at that. I We'll see. But um, getting the best out of Jair and and hopefully we get Stokes back and he can play some really solid football. You know, I, I just, again, like I said, we've invested a lot in these DBs in particular with Stokes, Jair, and Savage. And, and if we can just say that those are the guys and we can get the best out of them and then we have a really good football team. All, uh, everything else aside, man, as I said here, I'm really wondering if edge rusher is, is the direction. 
I mean, if they look at this defense and we are switching to a four or three and you're, you're worried about some hiccups with some of the guys we had, because some of the guys we have probably aren't going to cut it. And if you're looking at Preston and going, you know, we're going to keep him, but he's probably not a long-term solution because I don't know if he fits. And then, you know, behind Rashawn, you're looking at it and going, a lot of these guys are just three, four guys. We'll try it out, but I don't know. We might need to really start to, you know, find some guys that are some real solid hand in the dirt, off the edge type of guys. That might be a big priority here. Anyways, I said I wasn't going to talk a lot. Uh, please continue. I always we'll lie never know when I say that. But after the, I guess, was it the Giants or the Tampa game where Lafleur said he's going to take a more active part in the defense, certainly seemed like there was a switch went off as far as how aggressive they were, and all of a sudden we saw blitzes for the first time. And I mean, is that Lafleur? Is he like just so good at his job he can just go be a dynamo <laughs> on defense too? Like I don't know. I don't know what that's about. Well, what I, what I will say potentially because I you know I, I'm guessing Joe Barry knows more about defense than Matt Lafleur does. I would hope so, but Matt Lafleur knows offense, and that's really beneficial to a defensive coordinator. So if nothing else, just having him in there and collaborating and saying, okay, look at this offense, look at the tendencies. Like if you're doing even just to be able to say, look, um, from an offensive standpoint, the way that they do things, you know, especially with like the 49ers, because we run the same thing. It's easy to talk to Joe Barry and go, you know, what really trips us up is this. What's really difficult for a coach when you're when you're running this kind of a system is when defenses do this and that and the other thing. And so Joe then can can it can really shorten the work he has to do in understanding the offense, letting the guys like Matt Lafleur simplify that for Joe. Again, I know he knows, but not to the depth that that Matt does um, to say you know this is what really trips up a quarterback and and this is what really disrupts our route patterns and these are the kinds of things that drive us nuts when people do this. So then Joe can have all those light bulbs go off and go, oh, yeah, sometimes we do this kind of thing. Like, what if we did this? And Matt's like, freaking, yeah, dude, I hate when people do that crap. You know what I mean? Which, by the way, I don't know why this isn't just what they do all the time anyways. And maybe it is, but I don't know why there isn't crossover. I remember, actually, I think it was, wasn't it um, Mike McCarthy did that one year? And I was like, are you freaking serious? I thought you guys did that all the time. But they, they had like offensive people meeting with the defensive people in the defense. I don't know. I know there's not a lot, of, a lot of time in the day. It just seems like something that would be really worthwhile. Although you have staff that are technically responsible for that. You got your analysts. But it's like you, you have these guys that you don't pay any money that are low-level people to explain to your defense about the offense just from a statistical standpoint. But why don't you get a really brilliant offensive mind to go in there and just be like, you know what sucks when you run that offense? When people do this stuff. And just... Take a couple hours and run through it, you know? I don't know. I don't know what they do. We'll never know. But there was a noticeable difference in the way some players were used and, and the pressure packages and things changed pretty much immediately after LaFleur said he's going to get involved. So, like I said, I guess we'll never know. And it's like I said, too. Either Matt LaFleur, number one, started, like, calling the plays, or not calling the plays, but, like, game planning and is just a defensive wizard too, like you said. Number two is what I talked about before. Or number three, uh, Joe Barry was like sleeping in his office. And now that Matt LaFleur was coming in, he had to like stop, you know, again, playing Call of Duty and, and actually do stuff. And that's when things got better. I don't know. It's one of those three things though, for sure. It is like an awful coincidence. But finally, and this is most important, all of our hopes and dreams with this team over the next few years in, in what is a hell of a window opening here. It's slammed open. I mean, that thing was so shut to start the season. Yeah. And bam, that championship window is Jordan open, Love just folks. kicked that bad wide, wide open. open. But unfortunately, 
unfortunately, that it's only going to stay open if Matt LaFleur nails this defensive right. hiring. He has to get this right. He has to. Because you know the way the Packers operate. They're not going to do what the Bucks did this year with Adrian Griffin and just can them after midseason. I just don't see the Packers doing that. This is not how they operate, even when they should. So, you know, whoever they get of D.C. is probably minimum two years here, even if it's not great. And that two years is going to coincide with probably our best two- to three-year opportunity to get championships. So he has to get the higher right. It is so freaking important. Yeah. Um, because if not, we know how this goes. So uh, let's pray he does. All right, bye. Yeah, and of course, if you look at it as a 10- to 15-year window, um, that's not necessarily true. But But again, remember, when Rodgers won – it was, what, year three of him actually starting, and it was largely the defense. That, that I mean, if, if the defense didn't have that good of a year that year, we don't win a Super Bowl. So, that, I mean, that, that is the thing. You want to look at the, the teams that um, actually won a Super Bowl, it was the, the teams that had the best defenses. You know, obviously the offense carries most of the weight, but you got to have that, that top 10 defense, or in the case of, you know, the 90s Packers, the number one most dominant elite Frickin' game wrecking defense in the world, um, but I, I, you know, again, I'm I'm confident that that we can get there. I know there are people that can get us there. I know that there are players that can get us there. I know we have a GM that can find um, the missing players, and I'm I'm hoping that the collaboration between Gutekunst and um, Halfley are are solid, and there's a great way to utilize the people that we have to to make it a functioning defense starting immediately, but also recognize, okay, if we really want to get this thing humming the right way, this is what we need. And, and again, I do think we're going to lean heavy in the in the draft because we're making a big switch. And, and I think this is a big switch. This is bigger than maybe some of the other changes we've made. When you go from like a 3-4 zone team to a 3-4 zone team, yeah, there's some differences. Like we, we, we really need to focus on a linebacker or something like, okay, dope, we'll get you a linebacker. I think this is going to be a bigger switch. Um, and again, I think Jair can play man. I, I don't know about Stokes and, and, uh, Keisha. Like, I don't know if we have those guys. Do we have the linebackers? Do we have the box safeties? Do we have the, 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 the single high safety? Do we have the, the, um, four, three defensive ends? Do we have the four, three, uh, defensive tackles? I would assume in the big pile of tackles we have, we got some guys that, that can function there, but I, you know, I don't know. I don't know where they're at. I mean, they haven't been drafting for this kind of a defense necessarily. And so I, I, I think we're going to kind of go heavily in that direction to try to make sure that he has the guys that he needs. And again, yes, best player available, but they, they can navigate and maneuver to put themselves in a situation where it just so happens that the best available player is uh, the position that we happen to need. All right, let's take a uh, little break and break. Come back and hear from Nico. Yo, Ryan, what's happening? It's Nico. Hey, Idaho. Um, just got the news. Saw your emergency podcast. Joe Barry has been shoved aside. I mean, I think we all knew that was going to happen, but we didn't know. I mean, even my know, podcast, he was like, know. I think they should let him go, but I'm not sure. That's a dude who played for the Packers. So there's a little bit of hope. 
they did it fast, which is the best, like you said, because there's other people. Everyone's, everyone's going to get hired. Um, I will say this. I know we have holes. We got holes everywhere. Every team has holes. As far as what we're going to draft, I tell you, I think we they might still go best position available or best available because, you know, it's not really good to draft for need because sometimes you stretch. I mean, if there's a, you know, if we got to pick one and, yeah, we need an offensive tackle, but if there's an amazing defensive, you know, lineman there, might go that route, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I just did like a mental assessment. in. My- well, and I, it's funny because I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted an excuse to go back. Probably not a good thing, but I did forget Lucas Van Ness existed. <laughs> so, um, obviously, you have Rashawn and Lucas Van Ness, and you maybe question that. And Preston, again, I don't think he's necessarily leaving, although I don't think, I don't know that they're looking at that as like, yeah, he's going to be our defensive end of the future. Um, that's not to say, again, that they're not going to take another swing, but, you know, another first round swing, I don't know. And again, we we took Lucas Van Ness higher than whoever this next person is. So you could look at it and go, well, what if we get like this like super stud? It's like, well, then what were Rashawn and and Lucas Van Ness? This is going to be the guy that is like better than them, but was still available at pick twenty five ish. I'm just saying, it's not impossible, but maybe they look for depth a little further um, down the line. I also wonder now that we're talking about it. Is there any chance Brooks and or Wooden get moved back to the outside? Because when you're, and, and I know, you know, again, we, we play nickel and it's the whole thing or whatever, but I, I just wonder from a philosophical standpoint if either of those two guys could be seen potentially as a fit for what we're asking our defensive ends to be doing. I don't know. It's going to be real interesting. Again, th- those are um, questions that I will do my best to look into mostly it's probably going to be trying to learn as much as I can from people that understand the schematic side of things to try to make some informed guesses, but that's the best I'm going to be able to get out of anything. My brain, um, of what we need. And like, I think we have a very good defense as far as the individuals. I think they just need a good scheme and, you know, a good coach always helps. Um, obviously we have holes, you know, um, safety, I think linebacker still, I think, Defensive line, we kind of got better, I think, as years went on. Uh, I think it was probably because of the, the younger guys we got, you know, uh, stepping up and stuff. Uh, always, you can always throw a couple of them in there, but, you know, uh, you know, pass rusher. Offensively, I'd like to get a good young running back and still keep Jones, but I mean, I think we have a, we still have a, if we, if we enter the league with the exact same team we have this year, next year, I think we still probably win the division. So let's hope we can just approve it. I'm very optimistic. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, there we go. So, yeah, yeah that's the ticket. So, anyways, yeah, hey, go back, go. Let's let's get some fiery, I don't want to say ankle biters, because that's just, that's so cliche Yeah, I get it. What a good defense coordinator that can run a good scheme. And, uh, like I said, I think we already have the players. We just we just need a sprinkling, just a sprinkling of some talent. Maybe a free agent or it's two, and some young sure. guys with potential. I'm just jacked for the future. So there you go, bada bing, bada boom. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just excited to kind of learn about it. I mean, we've been doing the same or similar things for quite a while. 
And obviously, when you do a thing and it's not working, you get excited about a different thing. And whether that's stupid or not, it's still exciting. It's it's exciting to kind of look at like what we're going to be doing. What is our identity? How are we going to be attacking people? What are going to be our strengths and weaknesses? And um, you know, what are going to be the roles of guys? And what could be some potential advantages? And you know, looking at each individual position. I mean, how, the strengths and weaknesses. Maybe it's going to be better for our guys like Lucas Van Ness and Rashawn Gary. Uh, maybe they're better. I'm guessing some people would argue that is more of what they were built to do. You look at the linebackers and you're looking at, you know, maybe this could be a a boon for Quay. And, you know, a lot of people are talking about McDuffie. He's going to have a bigger role, and I think that's going to be fantastic. Um, Possibly, you know, different types of safeties aside from your one true overhang safety. You know, you you got a lot of guys that you're asking kind of to be more box guys, you know, that that don't have as many responsibilities but can just kind of come down and smash people. And so you can find guys that don't have to be this do-everything type of player that maybe just does that one thing really well that can fit in your defense. Because I'm not asking you to do everything. I'm asking you to be this one type of thing. And so you can get those guys later in the draft that don't have the do-everything mentality and and the do-everything, I shouldn't say mentality, but ability, but still can be kind of stars in your defense. I know uh, Justice Mosqueda made a reference to guys like Haufunga in San Francisco. Guy runs a 4-6 would never survive in a Joe Barry defense, but in San Francisco, he's a stud. You know, you got to lean on your corners more, but maybe that means we, you know, get a little bit better out of Jair. Maybe we invest in a guy this year. Maybe instead of going edge rusher, maybe we get that true number one corner anyways, because, you know, they they don't think Valentine can carry his weight uh, that is necessary or, or even Nixon for that matter. I don't know, but maybe they do take one big swing at, uh, at a guy that can lock people up. And I, you know, you, you look at what apparently we're going to be doing with our corners and you look at what we've been hearing about Quinion Mitchell. And it's like, I don't know how that's not a good matchup. They're talking about, he's not that big of a dude, but he plays so freaking strong and he's just up in your face and he's physical. And, you know, he just sticks to people like glue. I mean, it, it just seems like he'd be a good match. So why not? You know what I mean? Then you get Jair playing some good ball. You got this other stud corner. You got your defensive line just kind of being cut loose with your linebackers trying to play cleanup underneath. You got your one safety over the top that's kind of like a you know real important piece of trying to keep things out in front of them. And then you got you know safeties kind of just playing downhill and smashing people. And I you know I, I, I again I'm kind of just stitching stuff together here because I don't even know I don't think anybody really knows what the defense is going to look like. I think the the best guess is you know if you were to compare it to something in the NFL it would be Jets 49ers. But I don't even know if that's necessarily the case, because maybe he is going to do a little bit closer to what they had at Ohio State, which is an even more, you know, again, man-heavy, aggressive style of defense. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm very excited. I'm hoping we get to hear from the guy soon. I'm hoping we get our, our Packers media that gets up in his face and asks him specifically. I don't mean that in a bad way, but just specifically, like, what is what does your defense look like? What are you expecting to bring here? And it's probably going to be a lot of coach speak stuff because he has to go through the process of really working through that and and looking at NFL offenses and and looking at our pieces and what we have here to be able to fully formulate what he wants to do so it'll be a lot of basic you know I want a defense that's aggressive and and whatever but uh I don't know I'm just excited I'm excited to to learn as much as I possibly can and uh lean on as many people as I can again I'm leaning on uh JJ and uh, I'm excited to see what kind of stuff Clayton's going to have from a schematic standpoint and uh Dusty and um you know, again, I mentioned Justice Mosqueda is, you know, he knows a lot of college stuff. And so any little piece that I can get, I'm going to try to grab it and help to formulate um, 
thoughts and opinions on and maybe the direction we're going because I mean look listen this is what this is what this is all about but a lot of times you're just kind of speculating on like the same thing but maybe why it's different like maybe this guy takes a step oh you ever think about that one what if stick with me Jaden Reed takes a step like a whole freaking step bro what's that do right I mean it's crazy like if he could be, he could take a step and be better, and the offense would even be better. There's all kinds of ripple effects from something like that. This is much bigger and more actually. Like holy crap, there's so many variables and there's so many interesting things to look at. Maybe all of it's wrong. Doesn't matter. It's just it's just a good time. Hey Ryan, it's AA Ron from Eau Claire. Hey. Um, just found out about Joe Barry getting fired, and. Um, all I have to say is I am really, really glad that I am not uh, an NFL coach <laughs> uh, in the position of having to fire somebody. I just yeah. think that sounds awful, having to be uh, Matt LaFleur. And-, and, and again, to be clear, as much as that sucks, and it does, they do this every single year, and they do it in much more crushing ways than multimillionaire coaches. They have to tell people who are you know, out of college recently, trying their hardest just to get into the NFL and make a team so that they can make a little money and live this dream. They have to tell them, no, I'm sorry, your dream is dead. You have to go get a freaking nine to five for the rest of your life because you're not good enough. Like that's, that's tough. You know, you got to be a coach, you got to be a GM and you got to bring people into your office, you know, on, on these cut down days, one after another, after another, after another. I mean, just just making the call like, hey, I want this guy, you know, and so-and-so wants to see you in their office, and then they walk in, and they know what's going on, and you know, it's just, that sucks. That 100% sucks, and, and coaching is is obviously not going to be any different. Um, I mean, it, it, it is different, and I think it's, um, you know, especially the higher up you are, the, the less, like, I'm I'm massively heartbroken about it, but, you know, it's not a fun thing. It's not, and it's not a job that I would necessarily want to do. But it is a, a big part of the job. Is I mean, every single year, telling people you're done. Uh, having those conversations with with somebody that you really respect that you work well with, um, it, it's just one of those jobs. So high pressure, you just cannot. Uh, you almost you can just get unlucky and get fired. So yeah, I'm just really I. I would be such a horrible uh, head coach in the NFL because those types of decisions just make my stomach turn into knots. Well, and also you think about specifically Matt LaFleur and Joe Barry, you have to assume because Matt LaFleur really does like Joe Barry as a person and their friends and everything. You have to assume that his goal, honestly, was to to hopefully get him a head coaching job. Matt LaFleur's ultimate vision, I'm sure which was Joe Barry's also, was for him to come into Green Bay, implement this scheme, dominate, win a Super Bowl, and then he's such a high-demand person, he goes on to be a head coach, and instead he's going to be sent back down in the ranks, which which is a tough thing. Again, you look at all these coaches and how many different jobs they have, up and down and up. And I mean, this is these guys will have 14, 15, 16 different jobs, work until they're 60 years old, always trying to aspire to that ultimate pinnacle of NFL head coach. And 
when you finally get another shot at defensive coordinator, it's been year, it's been a long grind for Joe Barry to get that job back to to be trusted again as a defensive coordinator, and he knows he's being sent down into the ranks and and may never come back again. His his co- head coaching career may be done forever. Like that's never going to be a thing. He may never be a defensive coordinator again. So I mean that part of it's got to be tough because you've worked your whole life toward this thing, but. Um, you know, again, that's that's that is tough. But number one, he's still going to be in demand. He's still going to get a, a, a good job somewhere with someone on a staff that's trying to implement, especially these kinds of schemes. He's very knowledgeable, and they could probably bring him in as at the very least. I mean, I would even be beyond happy to have him as a linebackers coach. Maybe not specifically with our scheme and what we're trying to do, but like if I was the Eagles and I had Vic Fangio and we needed a linebackers coach, he would be at the top of my list. Um, and, and even beyond that, maybe a, some kind of a, a bigger role. I don't know. I don't know if I want him as a run game coordinator, but whatever. He'll always have a job. As long as he wants to work in the NFL, he's going to have a job and that's a good position to be in, but it just, it's not going to be a thing. And, and, and to be, again, I, I know I get where everybody's coming from, but this is just a matter of sorting and figuring out what your aptitude is and where you belong. And, and still Joe Barry is one of the best defensive minds in the entire world and that's not debatable because of the, the where he's gotten to but he's just not quite on the level of some other guys and the question has been asked and answered numerous times is he head coach material that obviously we never even reached that pinnacle and maybe he is i mean it's it's a different kind of a job but is he defensive coordinator material i think the answer is no i think it's been no i think it stays no and um again that that may seem harsh but it's also just the reality and so then ask the question, should he be paid as a defensive coordinator, defensive coordinator money, when he's not qualified to be a defensive coordinator? The answer is no, especially when there's other ramifications. There's other negatives here. Number one, there are qualified people who are getting paid to coach linebackers because they can't get defensive coordinator jobs because guys like Joe Barry are taking those jobs. That's number one. There are also uh, football players that are under his tutelage who are not going to get the contracts that they should be getting if they had better coaches getting better plays out of them. So their careers are in jeopardy. So it's not just a negative that a guy got fired. And I, I'm, I'm not trying to say everybody's saying that. I just want to be very clear. There is a lot of, po- there. it's mostly positive. If we get a guy in here that is better than Joe Barry. And again, I'm not asking for Joe Barry to be hung from the rafters. I want him to get a job where he is excellent. And I want him to go be excellent and go be paid for him being excellent at what he does best. And I'm sure he's got a lot of great things that he can bring to a team. And I want him to find his groove and I want him to go there and I want him to be paid for it. But taking somebody else's job and taking a salary that he shouldn't be earning and uh, you know putting a damper on these players' very short careers because he's not qualified to do the job is not something that I find as being the best possible. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't accept the premise that that's the nice way to go about things. You can be polite about it. That's true. But it's not like keeping is nice and firing is mean. I just, I think that's simplistic and nonsense. And again, I'm not saying you're saying that. I just, I keep hearing it and it's just like nails on a chalkboard to me where it's like, mm, okay, let's be nice about it. But the wrong thing to do is keep him. Not just from a purely competitive standpoint. It's the wrong thing to do morally. It's not right for Joe, not right for LaFleur, not right for the organization, not right for the players, not right for the guy that should have that job, not right for anybody. It, to the point where I just, I don't think I could do it. I just, oh, I just, it would break my heart. So anyways, uh, 
I, uh, I guess my alternative perspective to, um, yay, we get to have a new defensive coordinator, which I think probably is going to be really good for the team is, uh, man, I feel bad for the guy. Um, I hope he's able to, uh, land on his feet and maybe, you know, still do what he does somewhere in a way that's, uh, successful. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, I guess he knows what he signed up for. He said that before. I'm sure, you know, he's been through it before. So, um, just the, the nature of the beast with uh, these types of sports jobs. But I still can't help but uh, feel for the guy. And, you know, I know he did a lot of good things in Green Bay. I don't want to forget that. Um, even if the ultimate fit wasn't the... Uh, wasn't the right one for the team. And, uh, anyways, so hope I'm excited to see who they get next. Um, I hope that it's, uh, yeah, I hope, like you've said, that it's somebody who's more, uh, on the cutting edge of what's going on nowadays in the NFL. I mean, for a long time, we had Dom Capers, who, again, was great in his day. And then, uh, Mike Patton was great in his day. And Joe Barry, who, was kind of so-so in general in a lot yeah, of I don't think stops. He was ever and so I hope that we can get someone that's uh, just right right here, right now, the best fit and uh, understands how to, you know, scheme up a modern-day uh, defense. So, anyways, I'm, uh, I'm excited. Yeah, I get what you're saying. And, and, and look, here's another... I think positive way to look at it, at least from a strictly Joe Barry standpoint is this is a net positive for Joe Barry. I mean, to be completely honest, I don't know that anybody else would have given him an opportunity. I don't know that he was deserving of another opportunity. Um, but Matt LaFleur gave that to him. They gave him the opportunity to uh, be a defensive coordinator and um, to showcase what he can do and potentially move on to bigger and better things. And so this was just a three year net positive. So, I mean, him getting fired, which again, I'm assuming he's going to get a job similar to what he was doing prior to coming in Green Bay. Then who knows? Maybe he'll take a step back and kind of do one of those analyst roles, kind of like Petten did before he came to Green Bay, which I think might not be the worst thing. Kind of really take a step back and work for a different kind of, of scheme and really help analyze and break things down and see if you can expand what you do. And um, maybe that would be good for him to kind of get away from being a regurgitator and really moving toward that innovator kind of thing. And maybe he can be a great defensive coordinator someday. Again, Wink Martindale was one of those guys where it just, it never seemed to work. He was a defensive coordinator for a while. It was a disaster. He went back to being a linebackers coach for a long time. And now he's one of the more coveted defensive minds out there. So um, certainly not telling him to give up. I think he's young enough where, as weird as that sounds, but in the NFL, he's young enough where he could he could have a third act, I think. But again, this this was all just a net positive for him. He is, he is, as far as I can tell, a linebacker's coach that has now had two different opportunities to be a defensive coordinator. And um, that's given the reality that I don't think he's good enough to be a defensive coordinator. And again, I know that sounds mean. I'm just trying to speak the reality of the situation into this. At this time, he did not prove that he can do the job. And this is the second time he's been given a DC job, and he's never really been good at it. So this 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 was a good thing. It was it was great that he was given the opportunity. Not great for again anybody else but Joe Barry, but it was great for Joe Barry. So good for him that he was given this thing. 
And uh, I, I agree. I hope he lands on his feet. I don't know why he wouldn't. I mean, I don't I don't think he's so awful that he should never be near an NFL team. I think he has um, I'm sure he has a firm understanding of uh, the, this particular scheme. And so, again, working under somebody that that does that and working toward implementation and, you know, maybe being like the number two guy behind like a Fangio or or uh, who knows, maybe he goes to Carolina if they decide to keep a Jero Evero or something like that. Or again, I, I, I if if I were consulting with him, I would try to get a job away from the Fangio scheme and either work with the linebackers or see if you can get some kind of a, a, a an assistant role or an advisory role. I don't know if he's quite earned that. That seems to be like all the the old, you know, again, like Petten and whatnot, because they were, these are guys that have gotten like head coaching jobs and stuff. You know, Dom Capers, dude was like a head coach and a longtime defensive coordinator. He's like an advisor now. But I mean, if you can do that, just to learn some of the other concepts and everything, I think you should do that. But again, instead of looking at the firing as a negative, see the hiring as a net positive. You know, it's like his his baseline is like a six. And he's always had a six. And I think he's going to continue to be a six. And that's great. Matt LaFleur gave him three years of being an eight. And now he's going back to being a six. That's not a net negative. That's a net positive. He's not an eight. He shouldn't have even been given an eight. But he got it for three years. So good for him. Congrats. One uh, little thought to tack on is I was listening to your podcast about um, how this is the opportunity for the Packers to not just make smaller improvements, but to really set themselves up for the absolute best chance they can be in to get to, you know, an elite team. Yeah. And I like that because I feel like in a lot of ways, um, you know, where a lot of teams err on firing people too quickly, the Packers definitely err on the side of being a little bit too patient with people sometimes. And uh, we saw that with Dom Capers. We saw that with, some of the players that they've hung on to for a little bit too long, um, hoping they would pan out, uh, Demarius Randall, people like that. Um, so I'm, I'm really, it's, it's good to see that they are sort of, uh, modifying their approach, I think just enough, uh, to, to hopefully, start doing things in a little bit quicker of a way. You know, I think there is a fine line um, because uh, you could be the Panthers <laughs> and that's, we all know that's not a very good situation. Um, just hiring, firing, hiring, firing. The Browns for a long time were like that. Uh, not so much now, but um, the Chicago Bears are, have been like that for a long time. Um, you know, so I just, I think it's it's good that they're able to kind of take a little bit of of that approach of uh, being a little more uh, uh, knee jerk, I guess, a little bit more snappy on the uptake. Um, you know, I think about something sometimes. Our greatest strengths can sometimes become uh, the thing we rely on too much. So we need to lean into something that's not our greatest strength. So, for example, you know, I tend to be a little bit too, maybe like the Packers, a little bit too uh, understanding of people sometimes uh, in my teaching job, for example. Sure. Um, and give students a little bit too much of the benefit of the doubt. So for me to get a little bit hard on them is usually a good thing. Um, it's usually not too much, but but just knowing myself, knowing that I tend to be a little bit more 
Yeah. Let's just let them make the mistakes and see how it goes, see if they can improve. Um, but knowing that sometimes, you know, if that's my tendency, then it's okay if I go a little bit out of that sometimes for the right reasons. I think that's what the Packers need to do and, and what they are doing. So hopefully that's uh, what's going to happen, and we'll just see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, obviously patience is always going to be a part of it um, in terms of, you know, I mean, draft and develop, right? Development is is a major component, and as long as there is room for development, then they're they're probably not going to let that player go. However, there is a question still of, putting the best guy out there and and you know if he's if he's not the answer do we maybe push a little harder toward moving them out or just saying you know they're 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 good enough um or even even some guys underneath you know we we got this second round guy we need to put him out there no you don't you know we we have uh you know Emmanuel Wilson the running back and and I I don't want to overblow it because we didn't get to see him very much and maybe he is very limited in a lot of areas but let's just use it as an example let's just say for an example he actually was better than AJ Dillon should he have been getting snaps over Dillon yes now I'm, I'm not saying that that was the case but even if like Dillon's in a little bit of a slump and, and Emmanuel Wilson just seems to be catching fire that's what we're doing now and I mean Dillon by all means win it back but you know it is what it is man we're, we're trying to be the best possible team that we can be not just say, well, I know Dylan can be better and Emmanuel Wilson is limited. Well, then why even bother getting Emmanuel Wilson? If you're not going to give him the benefit of the doubt that despite the limitations, they can overcome that and become something great and help our team, then don't bother. So, I mean, it's, it's certainly a balancing act, and uh, we'll see if they end up getting a little bit more aggressive and just putting the best pieces out there. Um, that's kind of another thing that I'm hopeful for with Halfley is almost like a um, a Bill Belichick approach, which is... You know, the Packers for a long time, and, and I think this is the way the NFL is going and everything else, they, they've getting, gotten away from specialization and have moved more toward guys that can just do a little bit of everything. And I think part of the problem is it's really hard to find guys that are really good at something because they're they're so good at everything. I mean, you got to be really, 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 really good. Like those guys, you know, early first round pick type guys that can do everything and be elite at all of them or do everything and be elite at anything. But, you know, you, you look at Bill Belichick and, and what a masterful job he did for many years of just finding that exact right piece for that exact right thing that we're trying to do. Like, he'd, he'd go grab a running back. Nobody really wanted him. Nobody really cared. And he'd be a star in New England because it's just a matter of, I need a guy that has that one piece that just kind of fits with that one thing that we're trying to do. And he would fit it perfectly. And so I'm kind of hoping that we can do that because I understand the, the point of being multiple. I absolutely do. And I'm sure the Packers aren't going to get away from that because it's always going to be a benefit. But I think there are absolute superstars that are really good at some things, but they're just kind of bad at other stuff. And the Packers kind of shy away from that because it's like, well, I need you to do everything. And if you can't do everything, at least adequately, then then you can't be on the field. And, you know, again, safety is another example of that. Like, yeah, you're you're real good at just coming up and popping people. But if I can't trust you to cover the, the, the deep half of the field, then I can't trust you. Maybe we can move a little bit closer into if you can't do that, that's fine. We've got packages for you. You know, there are times when we're going to need somebody that can do that, you know, do that and other things, but there are times when we don't need that. And we can put you out there in those situations where, you know, we, we only need a guy that can do like 45% of what in everything safety can do. And you can do that 45% incredibly well. And so when we put you out there, you look like a superstar and it's amazing. It's like, how do you turn this guy into a superstar? It's like, cause all the stuff he can't do, we don't ask him to do it. That's why. So again, we'll see how it goes, but 
We should probably get out of here. Uh, Thank you guys for calling in. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.